Welcome everyone to Last Mastiny Podcast with your host. I'm Titor Tenov, of course, for another week of everything that's, that is active and um, recent in the in the in the world of sports, and particularly in the world of sports business. And the world of sports rate is not showing any signs of slowing down. Um, we got a, a very interesting show. That the most of the show this week is um, made up of what? Here we go. Of what we? Of what I, I wasn't say to, wasn't uh, able to say uh, last week because I wanted to make the, the 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 show shorter because as I as I explained to you guys. So this week we're gonna have a, a pretty interesting show. I, I'd say. A pretty interesting topic when it's when it comes to business and um, uh, the NFL, well, f- week 15 of the NFL as well as some wrestling. Uh, that's something we, that we did not touch on last week. Uh, a great show today for our first show on Friday. I decided to move it so that um, I, I would actually have th- I would actually talk about the NFL. Um, the, like what I was talking about. Yeah, it was com- it was. It was particularly about the NFL because what I was recently, because previously I, I, I taped it, for example, on Friday or Saturday, and I, I, I talk about the games before before the fact, and then then it gets uploaded while the games are in progress, and at best you're gonna listen to it uh, after the game, so it it doesn't make any sense. It's not recent. It's not active. It's not something that uh, people are gonna listen to. So we're changing it up. From now on, it's going to be Fridays, 10 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, 7 o'clock Pacific, uh, 5 p.m. here in Eastern Europe for because, as I know, this is our um, second biggest uh, audience is from Bulgaria, according to Anchor um, statistics. And of course, uh, I should say that. By the way, our our number one uh, audience is from Dallas. Show I I should say nine o'clock central. Uh, this is something that I should also mention. Let's get let's get to it. Very interesting action, uh, especially on Thursday night football um, this week. This uh, t- tonight, uh, last night, late on here in Bulgaria, matches uh, game started at uh, three twenty. The primetime games, uh, Thursday night football. Anyway, this was the last Thursday night uh, football game of the uh, of the season, and it was a damn good one. Not sure if <laughs> ratings are gonna ha- be uh, something to be that proud of, considering that there was not that that much inter- interest to the game before because the the the, the Chargers are are done. I mean, they they have nothing. Uh, um, they have no playoff aspirations and uh, pretty much nothing when it comes to them is interesting uh, uh, for, for the exception of uh, Justin Herbert and, and this game proved it, proved it by the way finally the Chargers were able to win uh, and Herbert was good again their 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 defense was uh, was kind of better than before but we're going to talk about that in a little bit so the Chargers have beaten the Las Vegas Raiders by the score of 30 to 27 after overtime. Let me just 30 to 27 after overtime. They led 17 to 10 at halftime. Justin Herbert had another tremendous game, 314 yards and two touchdown passes. Very interesting on the Las Vegas side. Um, let me just see something a little quick. Okay, so we're back after this. As I was saying, very interesting things happened on the Las Vegas side in the last night's game. Derek Carr completed three out of five throws, <coughs> pardon, and then he got injured. His leg, uh, he put a hamstring or something, I'm not sure. And then Marcus Mariota came in. Marcus Mariota has not played in an NFL game, I, uh, unless... I'm not sure, I don't think he, he has... He's come in this season, um, even when Derek Carr didn't play. Um, in the blowout against the Falcons, I remember that uh, Nathan Peterman ca- came in, uh, but I think this is the first game that that Marcus Miller has played this season, and he didn't play very well. He was solid for um, 
for the for the better part of the game, but it, he was significantly less accurate than than Derek Carr, which is Derek Derek Carr is so special because he he's so accurate and he's so uh, turnover free. He is he was last year the most accurate quarterback in the league. He is close to that uh, to these figures this year again, and I don't think. In any way, in any stretch of the imagination, Marcus Mariota um, was, is even close to that. 17 of 28, which is even a, a minimum. He, he, he could have been way worse, and he had an inter in, in, interception late in the game. He led the team in 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 yards on the ground. Neither team had had much luck luck on the ground. This is. This is something that, especially, look at Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs had a terrible game, despite scoring a touchdown, which doesn't really matter. I've said that a lot. This doesn't really matter. Marcus Mirota had 26 carries for 76 yards. This is 2.9 on average. He had a terrible game. Uh, the Chargers on the ground averaged out of 29 carries, averaged 3.3 yards. On the ground, this was almost uh, as many carries. Uh, uh, this is almost a split uh, play selection. Um, the 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 the, charger, the, charger, the Raiders were even worse. They had 33 throws and 41 rushing attempts. Uh, rushes, not rushing attempts, of course. So they had they had they, the majority of their plays were on the ground, and, and the ground game was terrible. This was why both teams were significantly. Um, was was significantly dry when it comes to their um, to their offensive game last night. Otherwise, the, the Raiders would have even lost maybe in regulation by multiple scores because their their defense this year is very bad. The Chargers the Chargers have the potential to be to be very good. They have to still. I think for both teams the biggest concern has to be right now the defense uh, by, by far because Justin Herbert has been near near flawless he's but he's by far the best quarterback the best rookie quarterback this year this is this does, isn't even debatable he, uh, he's one of the, the best quarterbacks when it comes to passer rating when it comes to yards per game and if it's not even if you don't count yards per game because different quarterbacks make di make different uh, number make different number of throws, he's still very uh, very uh, accurate. He broke a, a couple of records. Um, he broke a couple of of, of records and um, uh, route this. Incredible! He's completed 67 percent of his throws. This is pretty good. Everything uh, over 65. Uh, like uh, people have asked me sometimes, what do I consider to be that uh, border between the good uh, between? Uh, because it's it's pretty obvious that 50 or under is pretty bad. It's pretty obvious that 70 is pretty good. This is this. I think this is this stands both for accuracy for a quarterback for a, for a catch percentage, for example. And I think. With both, because they're kind of similar, but with both, I think that border between the good and the bad is, without a doubt, um, 65. Which, uh, I would say two-thirds, but 65 also does it, around 65 or 67. And Justin Herbert is is, is around that number. He He's very accurate. He's, he's 27, 27 touchdowns, 10 inter interceptions. But for a rookie, he's got great potential to, to improve upon that in the next couple of years. As I said, incredibly accurate. And this is why you should not look at the quarterback record. On another team, he would be way better. This is not a, this is not a statistic that proves how well this player played the statistic that proves what he had around him because even a quarterback cannot uh, do it by himself and anyone who thinks that way who thinks who has that movie opinion that quarterbacks are are the ones who save the day they they they, they sometimes they do save the day but by by no stretch of the imagination is this like can he can, can a quarterback carry carry the team carry a team that is that is marginally worse there, there have been teams with good quarterbacks that don't do jack 
because they have nothing around them. And, and the Raiders were, were that to a certain extent last year, although their defense is also bad, but Derek Carr didn't have much around him. His um, receiving corps are not very impressive this year. They were even worse last year without Henry Ruggs, without... Um, uh, without uh, Ash, uh, uh, um, Nelson Aguilar and with Tyra Williams injured for a, for a bigger part of the season, he, he had an even worse surrounding cast last year. He was the most accurate quarterback in the league, and the and yet when it comes to produced yards, the production wasn't very impro impressive because he had nothing around him. So the the chart the 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 Raiders. But first, I want to look at the, the where where the standings are. Um, the Chargers are really dependable right now on on their uh, when it comes to their chances on uh, when their cha chances of reaching the postseason. They depend a lot on on Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs because considering that you want Derek Carr. Um, although even if you swing the play selection towards the pass he would still be uh, accurate like no no backup can if you if you have to play a backup you need Josh Jacobs and even if you play Derek Carr uh, you, he cannot throw all the time and the, the, the Raiders offense has been fairly uh, consistent because it 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 has a gradual approach towards getting the first down, uh, and it really uses both sides, uh, both um, uh, sides of the play selection, not e uh, not always equally, uh, but they they had to use both in order to to gradually uh, to be consistent and gradually move the ball. Uh, move the ball downfield. They, they they need they need their running game and they need a, a, an accurate quarterback because if if you, if you, if you have to play with Mariota the whole season, you would find yourself I think with um, a much less consistent game with more turnovers but also m a lot more incompletions and with with that receiving core uh, with these with, with that receiving core it's never a certainty that they are going to help your quarterback especially now that like last night when Henry Ruggs was injured it 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 doesn't help it doesn't help you a lot i would say and it seems like it, uh, with this uh, Raiders roster it seems like the better game plan to uh, organize it around the run and Josh Jacobs Really is even a a better f a, a bigger figure than um, than than their car when it comes to the the Raiders consistently moving the ball downfield, and last night last night wasn't uh, encouraging. Uh, yet, yet he this is a rare bad game. Um, it, it's fair to say that. Right now, the, the number one thing that they need is uh, for for to have any chance of of getting back this season is to uh, to, to to hope that Josh Jacobs is gonna bounce back. Right now, they're after this loss, they're seven and seven. Let's see how they stand on the playoff side. Come on. So they have the number nine seat. They are a game behind the the Dolphins and the the Raven. The Ravens are behind on a tiebreaker uh, behind the Dolphins who have the last uh, playoff berth and the Raiders are are 7-7 seven and seven. so bear in mind the, uh, the 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 Patriots have a game less than uh, than than the Raiders or the Ravens or uh, or even the Dolphins So it will be very interesting to see uh, if the Raiders um, are able to uh, to con to to have their offense so much to have the positives of their offense outweigh the the negative the, the negatives of their defense, which negatives are, are, are very serious. The problems of that this defense is very serious. It's 25th in the rush against the rush, 25th against the pass, and 25th overall. 
this is a very bad defense that needs a lot of working and I I do expect that to be to fo- to be to be the sole focus of the of the of the of the offseason because they need a lot of players and the Raiders might find themselves in a situation where they have to buy a lot of players efficient players and not be able to be ha- get more than one player that is among the, the best in the league. We got two more minutes. Uh, how about the Chargers? As he said, uh, he has been terrific. Um, hold up. He, uh, Justin Herbert has been terrific this season. He's playing like uh, he, he's playing. <laughs> I would say, I would uh, almost said a cliche here, but uh, he, he goes to show why goes to show why you have you almost have to always pick a, a a pocket passer than than a running quarterback and picking and this really pays off most of the time he's been incredibly efficient and he has potential to limit his interceptions now that they're now that the chargers are not that uh, now that the chargers are not 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 going to have any any aspirations this season uh, you, 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 I can't help but look ahead to the next season. The next season looks kind of positive if they're able to, um, to to add to their to their secondary perhaps to get a running back because Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler is not the best option. He's not very, um, he's not very productive. On the ground, he's more like um, a a target, a, a air target out of the backfield. But when he when he runs the ball, he's got just 99 rushes for 4.7 yards. So they they're doing the right thing with him, but they still lack in the running game because they have to to throw a lot. And if you if you get a good running back and still have Eckler come out of the out uh, come out out of the backfield because he's very good at, uh, out of the backfield I think last season he had more uh, more catches than yes he had more receptions uh, 92 receptions against uh, okay not last season but this season uh, Yes, he has he has more uh, he has more rushes, but he, he has a, a very uh, impressive number of recep- uh, of targets and receptions uh, so it's really worth it uh, getting a a a, a player that uh, getting a more efficient running back, and then in order to limit the workload of of Justin Herbert because we, he he has had to pass uh, perhaps even too much. But he has been, as I said, incredibly efficient. But you can make him even more. Uh, uh, he's been accurate. But he, you can you can make him even more efficient if you limit his workload. So don't. Don't be surprised if the Chargers uh, go for a running back in order, in order, uh, in in addition to adding to the secondary, or uh, or adding another uh, pass rusher alongside Joey Bosa, in order to balance out the workload and uh, give um, um, and, and put less pressure on on Justin Herbert. Okay, we got that out of the out of the way. What's coming up? Uh, What's coming up in week 15 of the NFL? All right. Um. So we've got an, a, a, tr- a very interesting slate of games. Tomorrow on a absolutely magical day for sports. I'm, I, I forgot to mention that in the beginning. I'm going to mention that now. An absolutely magical day for sports. We've got two NFL games. Our first Saturday slate of the season. Hold up. Our first Saturday slate of the season, uh, two games, one at 4.30 p.m., Buffalo against Denver, uh, 8.15 Eastern, Green Bay and Carolina. Both games have the potential to be at least at least good because these, these are not teams that are, are painful to watch. They've, they've been fairly uh, competitive. Um, to to the good teams this season, so they are probably going to be competitive in these games, especially Denver, who um, who had injuries, and that's why their components were weakened, and they were weakened in particular parts of their game. 
and they were not able to uh, to really maintain uh, competitive um, uh, position. But now they're going to face off the Bills uh, at 4:30 in a game that probably is going to be very interesting. Um, the Bills, they they can wrap up the. I'm not sure if they if they have wrapped up the division yet. Um, it's it, it's the the Buffalo defense has excelled a lot this season. They did excel a lot last season, but this season has been even even better. So. Denver have uh, Denver have uh, been uh, on the upward trend in both their passing game and their um, and their defense. Uh, I think Buffalo can stop them in both category uh, categories, um, and it's especially tough will be when Denver has to rely on the long ball because uh, Jerry Judy has caught just forty nine percent of his uh, of the throws which were di- directed to him. Uh, Buffalo secondary is. Is very good with guys like uh, uh, Tre'Davious White, who's having another good season, um, and it will be very tough for Denver to move the ball overall. They will need their defense, uh, their their running game, to come out uh, to come out uh, in a very convincing fashion. And Melvin Gordon has uh, has been the main. Uh, runner for uh, for Denver this season alongside Philip uh, Philip Lindsay and both are really because their workload is limited they 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 can, they can average good numbers and the unit as a whole can average good numbers. Um, the bills the bills, however, are uh, are able are able to stop you in that kind of. Of, of ground game like like the the Broncos have the Bills have allowed 4.6 yards on average which is allowed in the middle of the pa- uh, which is around the middle of the pack so oh it's not really in the middle of the pack it's among the uh, the the defenses that have allowed the most yards so uh, th- this is a, a green light for for the the the, the 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 Broncos to be competitive in this game uh, they can win by running by, by running uh, the ball well and it's not gonna be uh, so. This this is a really uh, a chance for them to be competitive. But at the same time, their um, defense has not has disappointed for a big part of the season. Um, and you just you gotta give it up for this the trade that could have been very very big risk for Buffalo. Uh, which they uh, acquired Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs has been one of the one of the one of the most consistent receiver uh, receivers this season. He has, he, I think, he's top five in in targets. He's among the, the best when it comes to receptions. And has been a lot more. Um, uh, he's had a lot better of a catch percentage than in, at any time uh, in his career. Uh, and the, the Bills badly needed somebody like him because uh, they don't have a lot of receivers. They have Cole Beasley, they have Gabriel Davis, uh, and John Brown has missed a big time of the season. Stefan Dix might be single-handedly saving the the season for for this Buffalo offense, but they have been pretty good. Their running game is is very quiet. But Denver has disappointed a lot. I think Buffalo will be able to come out on top th- uh, here, and will be able uh, this and th- probably will be able to control the clock. And although uh, Denver's running game is w- has a pretty good matchup, so this this matchup this this game between those two teams promises to be very uh, competitive overall. Uh, but the Bills uh, the Bills defense has. Um, can be more dominant against the Broncos' uh, passing game, uh, and the, the Buffalo is uh, the, the Buffalo is a lot more uh, consistent, a lot more balanced team, which which, which is gonna be uh, tough for for Denver to to overcome offensively. Not having uh, with um, Drew Lock not having that many targets, to be honest, um, he he doesn't have many guys that can take a big workload, so he has to go to some of the, some of his backups, and they are not very efficient when it comes to catch percentage, for example. Not 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 catch percentage because they have a uh, a a small workload, and uh, their percentage looks uh, their catch percentage looks uh, good, but they're not very reliable overall. 
Green Green Bay's offense will be will have a very easy matchup against uh, against uh, against Carolina. The the Panthers defense hasn't been very good this season. Um, and to just uh, put in numbers here for you, uh, the Carolina Panthers. The the Panthers have. allowed 250 yards per game through the air which is which is 10th in the league they have a a bottom 10 passing defense uh defense against the pass that they are going up against Aaron Rodgers' unit which has not which has all but surprised uh, which has all but uh, been sensational this season and this is going to be a main matchup that's going to swing uh, this this late game in Green Bay's favor. All right, now to now after Sunday, um, and there are some interesting games here, but uh, I'd rather sp I would like to spend the time, the remaining three minutes, Kansas City and New Orleans. This is this was going to be probably the most anticipated game of the year if Drew Brees was healthy. And now that he isn't healthy, uh, probably many people are are, are going to, to to swing this a lot more in Kansas City's favor than than it should be. But what New Orleans's defense has done this season, uh, alongside Ka alongside what uh, Alvin Kamara is capable of, and some people argue that he's not he's not used enough. He perhaps if he's not used enough, he's not used enough through the air out of the backfield but uh, looking at his numbers um, he, he's averaging around 4.5 4 4.5 yards per run um, so this is a very good his workload is a very good reflection of um, of his capabilities New Orleans his defense is is top three against the run Kansas City hasn't been very good at good running the ball hasn't run the ball very, very well uh, when it comes to the offense they've had they have one of the best uh, air rates in in the league um New Orleans is number 4 against the against, against the pass and the the Saint, the Saints defense has done tremendous tremendous job um in, in the Saints winning winning this much they lost uh, last week to the to the Eagles, there are this is which was because their offense didn't look well, and for their offense to be not not that impressive with Taysom Hill, who doesn't have that many targets, he's at he's got Michael Thomas and he's got Jared Cook, who is reliable, who is a reliable guy, but but he doesn't have depth, he doesn't have a lot of guys to 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 go to, and even if Michael Thomas was this season, the Michael Thomas we we know from last season, uh, he he doesn't take up all of the uh, all of the workload of uh, of the of, of the passing unit. So this means that uh, he doesn't have who, who to go to on the on the other place. He doesn't have depth. I think that's worse for Taysom Hill than Taysom Hill actually. Uh, well, Taysom Hill is a lot worse than Drew Brees. That is that is for sure. But um, uh, but he w he would have been a lot. Things would have been a lot better for him. For example, if if Emmanuel Sanders was a little better, because he hasn't been very uh, he hasn't been very consistent this year. If he had a if he had more targets, because Michael Thomas is also having a a worse year than last year, in addition to missing a lot of games. And he has Jared Cook, and the rest is uh, the rest is a combination of um, inconsistent receivers, none of which can make up a, a, a receiving core that can uh, be that, that, that Taysom Hill can easily feel comfortable with. And considering that Alvin Kamara is also not is also n by by far not the most dominant, they're not going to run the offense. 
uh, they they can involve I mean they can run through him in the sense that they can involve him a lot in the passing game, but they're not gonna run it through Camara on the ground. So he has Camara, uh, but he doesn't have that many receivers to uh, to to have uh, 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 to have a variety of receivers he can go to. Uh, but but New, or New Orleans' defense is very capable of stopping the Saints. It's one of the most consistent offense against the league. It's a terrible matchup for for Chiefs' offense, both running and throwing the ball. And the, 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 nobody should rule out the Saints. The Saints' defense is very much capable of stopping the the Kansas City Chiefs uh, uh, here. All right, this is for the NFL. Uh, week 15, a lot of a lot of interesting matchups, a lot of tied uh, a lot of uh, tied division races, and wild card battles. So we're now moving on to the wrestling part of the show. We're back with uh, an edition of this week in wrestling. You know the game. We I I didn't tell you because we were, because of time constraints. I I wasn't able to tell you um, the the. The, the results of last week, uh, uh, my grades of, uh, last week. So there we go. AW did seven and a half. It was a it was a kind of a good show. <laughs> At least comparing it to this week's show, it was very good. NXT had had pretty good matches. It was an eight, six and a five for Impact. Impact is just very very weak. I don't understand how people come to 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 praise it for involving for their partnership with AW when the show. It will be. We will only be able to to work for uh, to downgrade the reputation of AW wrestlers. SmackDown does a five. I don't remember. I don't, I don't really remember because there is nothing to remember from SmackDown. Probably no no good matches or no, nothing at all. Just from SmackDown. Raw was a six. Now this week I was able to watch a lot more shows. So. I watched AEW, of course, and I did a, I, I made a terrible mistake, a mistake that I hope I'm able, a mistake I hope I'm able to replace by watching NXT. I did the terrible mistake of watching Raw. I, I watched the full Raw on replay, and I was not pleased with that. And AEW was disappointing for me. No, not for me. AEW is disappointing by by its own standards. Well, first let's talk about Raw. Raw had just okay. It had just two matches which were longer than five or six minutes. One of them was a was a very dull match between AJ Styles and Sheamus, which AJ Styles showed nothing. Uh, uh n nothing. Ha having AJ Styles, he just uh, reference reference him to most of the the guys from his style of wrestling which is the modern which is the style wrestling that the market uh, that that appeals to the market to the wide to the wide market of modern wrestling fans you can just look at the way that they they guys like him are utilized in AEW for example and you just have to have to say uh, admit how little he's used on, on, on WWE shows, how, how little he's used for good matches. In this particular match, he didn't show any of his um, trademark moves or, uh, you know, the Styles Clash or um, or Phenomenal Forearm. Sheamus did pretty good job for 60 minutes and Angel Styles won with a roll-up roll pin. The then following that the tag team match was not bad. It was it was kind of good for 40 minutes, and then the rest of the show was 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 bizarrely dumb. No good matches. No matches of um of over. What's it? Let let me let me just say it. Uh, just look at look at the the time the time so I can so I don't uh, lie to you guys. Um, the next matches were two minutes, which Lana beat 
the WWE Women's Tag Team Champion Nia Jax. Alana beat Nia Jax in two minutes, and they may, they, they they think that this is uh, believable. This and this is this is first is it cannot be a good match, and it's not believable. It's 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 phony. John Morrison, The Miz versus Keith Lee. They defeat Keith Lee. Terrible booking. A guy who who probably looking at the market you should you should push. The same goes for Ricochet who dropped to Mace in three minutes. Dana uh, Brooke then defeated Shayna Baszler by disqualification, and Riddle defeated MVP in less than a minute. No good matches. Then probably the the, the six man tag team match. The rest is no good wrestling for three hours and promos this is probably about two hours and 40 minutes worth of of bad wrestling and promos this is terrible this is not anything that would make it on 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 2020 wrestling television and then you're then you're wondering why things are not working out this is bizarrely dumb four and a half for for raw all right, Impact is six and a half because it had a good main event and the rest. But I didn't watch it, but the rest looks pretty bad. NXT uh, had two pretty good matches and a good tag team match. And uh, Pete Dunne and Kyle O'Reilly were were terrific. The main event was pretty good. Uh, the highest. Uh, this is the highest um, rate. Uh, uh, rating for uh, the highest grade for NXT this week uh, out of any show 8 and AW which I can talk a little bit more about uh, AW show would have been about um, oh, let's just let's just put that put that out there you have to sometimes you cannot always create um, pay-per-view type matches on on television this is this is not this is there's no doubt about that you have to you, you have to involve different wrestlers to create uh, matches that you haven't produced on television uh, at the same time you also have to uh, put them aside for your paper you have to put them aside for your big events the good matches and uh, but at the same time, you have to you have to book good matches. Uh, the the opening match was very good. The the twelve man tag team was very tag team match was very good. But uh, the acclaimed and SU was too had too much gimmick, probably. But it wasn't too much of a problem because you do it around the match, and the match itself is not really interfered. Now the match was was well the execution of the match was was very poor. That was the problem. But the biggest problem, I, I think, it, if the main event was was good because you can easily cut one of the match you can easily get rid of one of the matches and have the main event be longer the main event was was bad in addition to in my opinion Don Callis being very uh, annoying by doing commentary during the match but the, the, the bigger problem was that the main event was was um, was was too short. The main event was was bad, and if, any, if anything, you, uh, we talked about the format that that is the winning format right now uh, for a wrestling show. You've got your best match by far has to be the main event. You have to have good main events. This is this is gonna dictate the direction of your show uh, in a very big way. All right. A little bit about NXT uh, Takeover War Games, which was uh, now 12 days ago, and here is something we talk about formats of shows uh, very often. We talk about formats of shows very often, but we don't talk about the pay-per-views. We talk about the fact that you should get less matches. Um, we should you should get marquee matchup m matches. You should, like, it's almost a foregone conclusion that you should not, you should not have promo segments. You should have only matches. You try to put good matches uh, at least, and that by itself is some kind of establishing uh, some kind of establishment of a format. Um, NXT is usually has NXT is uh, 
pay-per-views usually have about six matches. Uh, AW pay-per-views have about more than that. Probably the last the last had about eight uh, eight matches, I think. And WWE just goes off of the uh, of the of the of the hook. Let's off the hook, which is and it doesn't doesn't do it in a in a good way. There's, um, I was pretty firm about this, and then I watched a little uh, a couple of old pay-per-views, like for example, Great American Bash 1990, uh, 1990. That's right. It was a th- uh, it was in, it wasn't even a three-hour show. It was two hours 50, 50 minutes, and they had eleven matches on on it. And apart from from two from from two or three squash matches, from three squash matches, all of the other matches were were particularly um, were not too short and they were very good so you can indeed produce matches which are around 10 or 15 minutes which are tremendous and you can have more of them but in this day of age this is very difficult because the the bar is very high and what dictates whether your match is good what dictates whether this match is whether this match is gonna set your style of wrestling for the next for the for your pay-per-views usually um and this is this is gonna set up your reputation of the of of wrestling on your pay-per-views which is gonna to to a big extent depend uh uh determine whether your pay-per-views are profitable or not so have to have long matches this is what i'm trying to say and NXT Takeover War Games did just that. It's, it's not it's not a lie to say that um, they usually produce they usually produce long matches on the um, on their uh, pay per views, and they do that in a good way by not having too many matches. War Games, the the men's War Games match was was tremendous. Um, Pat McAfee is, is very good. One of the very few guys that were celebrities in something else in wrestling, and then they went to wrestling and did very, very good. Because Brian Pillman wasn't. I think he he didn't reach the level that at at which um, Pat McAfee was before he retired from. He was the punter for the Colts. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Let's just put it out. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure. Not that they. Not that he wasn't. Uh, I'm not sure if he was at the, he played at the same level at which Pat McAfee played um, before he started his show and then got involved with um, with the WWE and no, nothing, nothing that I nothing that particular that I can say about this match. Uh, the wrestling was pretty good in in on all matches. My favorite probably has to be Tomasha Champa and Timothy Thatcher, um, but e- everything was pretty good. Dexter Loomis, Cameron Grimes was, was awesome. Johnny Gargano and uh, Damian Priest and Leon Ruff was was very good. The War Games, of course, was was tre- was was tremendous. So, some very good wrestling overall. Not a, not a single bad match, uh, and the only. Criticism that I would have that I've always had is that you don't you, you don't need to have two war game matches. It makes the whole war game match concept uninteresting, uh, not prestigious, and therefore unprofitable. And WWE doesn't suffer a lot from they don't have that pressure that much because people don't have to buy their pay per views. They they they're subscribed to the network and a lot more people are subscribed to the network than 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 the people who actually watch the pay-per-views that is i think that is for sure but you still don't need to to have two raw rumbles you don't need to have uh two money in the bank matches because it's it, it takes out of the prestige and the tradition around this and you want your divisions to be presented in a very in a very different way. We're, this is something we're going to talk about in our next segment, but it it, it makes the storylines um, uh, the storylines uh, around the, these two groups a lot more um, a lot more repetitive. Now NXT do, even that NXT does well, does better because uh, when WWE did that in 2000 about around 2007 2018 when they introduced the women's money in the bank match and the women's Royal Rumble match and the women's pay-per-view 
they did that as the women's revolution and NXT actually does it in a serious way where they're trying to uh, build the re- their re- the women's re- their female wrestlers as, as serious wrestlers and not just um, feminist puppets so there is that there th- this uh, also makes a match like this a lot more enjoyable and not a single bad match here overall a lot of great matches with uh, wrestlers that are going to be to pump up the the interest for uh for the uh for for the NXT brand and for the NXT show and if 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 their show isn't very consistent at least their pay-per-views are always 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 very very good and our la- last thing related to wrestling AW third hour this was announced a long time ago by Tony Khan in an interview with somebody from some media but it is a very interesting I- deal because WWE never did it the way that AW seems to be teasing their fans uh, of doing it see uh, WWE immediately added a third hour and by the way, not uh, not just that. I mean, um, a lot of promotions did it. A lot of promotions, it, it, it didn't it didn't go off well. It wasn't even what wrestling people were concerned concerned about, and what they were what they were warning the companies about of overexposure. It wasn't overexposure. It it made your job of of having a, a wrestling centered format a lot more difficult because it's with if you have to put on more matches even if you have a, a deep roster it's difficult to find another hour where you're gonna have more wrestling than promos and involve good wrestlers in those matches as well because usually your roster of of um, low card wrestlers is a lot deeper than of uh, than on the high card, on the high part part of the card, and you're gonna have trouble. Um, you're gonna have trouble organizing a lot of matches, uh, putting a lot of good matches with wrestlers that are involved in your storylines in the long term. And if you don't, if you have to put on low uh, low card uh, wrestlers, you might as well go go down the bad path of putting promos of your of the wrestlers which are involved in the storyline which is going to make the format uh, s- promo centered then you're going to have problem because the market doesn't appeal that this is what's happening on raw f- this is what has been happening there for years and people have not liked it it has had a very negative effect the same goes for smackdown same goes for most um, for most wwe shows and NXT did well adding an hour, but if they have three hours, th- it, it seems like a a, uh, a possibility of them going down the same path. Although although I have a, although people have a lot more faith in them, so it's pretty it's it's almost a foregone conclusion. The AW shouldn't do that to Dynamite, and they are probably not gonna do that. So what are they? Well, nobody knows what they are gonna do, but. What they what would be the most rating friendly, storyline friendly, and perhaps finance friendly um, uh, possibility uh, for for the third hour of uh, of uh, of AW. First off, it sh- it should not it, the the concept around it should be dif- different from from dynamite. This is why I don't think that they would like to call it third hour of dynamite or dynamite or anything related to dynamite. They might call it AW late night or eight late late night something or this or that un- unless it's in prime time. I don't know why I envisioned it being in uh, late in the night. I- if it's an hour, it's not gonna drive good ratings. But here is my story. It should be a lot better represented in a much more different way than Dynamite. And the, the, if you want to get people to watch it but, but be different than Dynamite, then the, your only chance is to center it around wrestling and to center it even more. Uh, 
So my, my concept, my idea of this concept is the the supercard concept. Supercard concept, you have a one hour show which, are, which is gonna have only matches. You could easily put three or four three or four good matches on a card of the matches of which are between 10 and 20 minutes and they are with uh, mid or high car wrestlers or even main eventers and it just be re and it just be only matches this would be a lot more a lot more profitable a lot more uh, ratings friendly um be the ratings friendly considering what has worked in recent years and what hasn't worked it's pretty obvious especially considering that when WWE sh does some kind of show which has no wrestling on their network it's it, it almost always has a negative uh, effect their shows with their, their regular shows when they don't have wrestling have a negative effect the, the market grades them pretty lowly And when, um, uh, at the same time, when AW started with uh, uh, centering their content around wrestling, it got them to, to almost stardom. So it's pretty obvious that you're gonna have to be more, ex more, well, have to be different, therefore more extreme to one side or the other than Dynamite, because Dynamite is still has the entertainment promo factor. Uh, and it's pretty obvious to which side you have to be extreme. You have to be extreme to the wrestling side or the in-ring side. And, and it, it will not be th that bad. You can easily put a lot of matches. And at the same time, you don't have to involve your storylines very very much. It almost is like a house show. But it, ha but it, will, it will have good matches, actually. Uh, and you don't have to, inv you don't have to uh, involve your storyline. You don't have to... Um, develop it more, and it will be. This will benefit you from the standpoint of you not overbooking the show. This, which will mean that people will have t uh, difficulty keeping up with uh, uh, with the content you're producing. So the the supercard concept, I, as concept, I think is one that AW as a uh, as as a type of their content isn't too far from. And will, will and has has the wrestlers has established the reputation of putting on good matches, so they will have no no difference. Um, they will have no difference um, doing that uh, with the third hour of dynamite. And, uh, people, be, be, that's what well, that's what people want. It sounds almost repetitive. It almost sounds like I'm saying that the same thing, but it it, it it's more and more uh, obvious that people want more and more wrestling in their show and the, 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 the most effective and simple thing at the same time you can do to improve your content is just add more matches with good wrestlers uh, and give them more time of course and this will almost always whatever show you have it will uh, result in you having more more stability financially and promotion wise it will turn out to have great dividends all right this is for wrestling this week some not very encouraging wrestling this week not a very good week for 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 none of the shows that have happened so far M only nxt only nxt the rest raw atrocious as ever I wasn't even shocked when a good ma when a bad match happened because it's uh, uh, it's almost the norm right now. I was disappointed by AEW because the main event means so much. They didn't have a they didn't have a good main event. They they sacrificed the main event, which is always gonna be a good match between two wrestlers that people care about. They sacrificed that to have more matches, short matches between lower card wrestlers like they sacrificed the main event to have um, uh, the, the acclaimed versus um, not, not really, acclaimed versus SU could have been better they sacrificed this to have the women's tag team match and Cody versus um, versus uh, Angelico they could have 
easily had a one match or had one match between somebody 10 minutes and then it would have a lot more time for 15 minutes or or about that main event they they have done it that they have done that they they've done that previously with Janela and Omega. They had a twenty minute match in Dark last year. They had another fifteen minute match on on Dynamite. So this is why it's disappointing. You need to end the the, the, the match on a good. The main event is so important because it's almost always between wrestlers that are high on the card, and it's it, it don't if you don't put a good match with them. You almost—it's very difficult to have to have had a good show because all the other matches before that would probably be, be between wrestlers that are not as good. If you don't use that, it's very difficult for your show to be good because the, everything else is the undercard, which is not that great. All right, this is for for the wrestling part, and we have just one thing remaining—a a topic that. Um, remains from last week um, from college basketball college basketball has seen a couple of teams uh, get their, get their crowds back uh, and mostly teams in uh, in in Florida LSU has crowds Clemson has crowds I think the SEC teams who have crowds at home but most of the college basketball doesn't have so, so we 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 just remember you you might remember pretty well that it used to be uh, about around the time that the pandemic happened for the first time when it appeared first everyone was saying uh, profitable sports and this includes college football and college basketball because they're about more profitable uh, college football is a lot more profitable than uh, uh, than the NHL college basketball is at least close to the NHL I would say so they are prof they are very proud they're very big I would say the college football even even um, okay it doesn't uh, in terms of television revenue is uh, maybe ahead of MLB it's not ahead in total in total revenue because MLB has a lot of games and that's why because of their uh, total uh, because of their total, uh, because of their total attendance, that's why they have a lot of crowds. But that is interesting. Where does college ba- basketball stand uh, stand on that? And I, I I looked it up. This is statistics from um, business of, uh, of college sports from 2011, and uh, I don't rem- I don't I don't consider things to be that difficult uh, this year. There are 41 programs in in college. Uh, uh, in col- there are 41 college basketball programs that are among the top 100 uh, biggest financially uh, programs in uh, college sports. Uh, and uh, uh, the detailed analysis of those uh, 41 programs shows that ticket revenue and game day revenue is a very significant part so the lowest of those is 25 percent a for a quarter of your total of their total revenue and it can go up to 76 percent and you know who has 76 percent university of kentucky one of the biggest and most popular programs in the country the university of kentucky which currently has the chance to, to have just about three three thousand people in attendance just imagine the bleeding that's gonna happen as a result of of this. It just goes to show you how much. Because bear in mind, Kentucky is not in that situation. Kentucky is in a state that is uh, governed by that is a blue state currently that is governed pretty in a pretty bad way. But a lot of those, um, a lot of those universities, and not even universities, but it stands more for more for. Um, for professional sports, but a lot of those universities uh, then don't have even the guts to to open to 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 more to, to bigger crowds. And university, uh, and they're they're doing a, a pretty bad bad business decision when they're gonna lose up to seventy percent of their revenue. This is this is pretty. Th- in a lot of the big a lot of the big programs 
you can also see that all of the programs that are in 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 the in one in the top 100 in terms of revenue are in the top 100 when when it comes to attendance so that there is a pretty strong correlation so all the all of the all of the teams are um very dependent or on game day revenue and there are and for some teams this is their biggest um this is their biggest source of revenue and you, you you can you can you can have you can fix that uh, even if you are in a state that doesn't allow you to to, to have play uh, to have people at games you can always move to another state and they would they would they would deny that they would say that this isn't uh, this isn't how it is so there are a lot of teams doing very bad business decisions and this 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 thing like this just goes to show you how wrong they are and how how big the bleeding is gonna be that's why the NCAA has to make the biggest effort they have announced that there were rumors in November that they were uh, that they were thinking of moving the whole tournament to the Indianapolis era uh, to the Indianapolis area it, it, nothing has been said whether they would have crowds but to not have crowds in March to of 2020 when the whole thing started in Mar uh, March 2021, when the whole thing started in March 2020, is an abomination. There is nothing that's pointing out that people shouldn't be going to, to games, and for 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 organizations who have the chance to move to to places where they they can have crowds, is is an abomination. Indianapolis currently allows crowds. Um. I don't know what Indianapolis' stand will be in March or what Indiana's stance will be in March, but there are some big decisions from the NCAA. It will be interesting whether if if any kind of problem happens, they will make the most of moving uh, their games, moving their m moving their games in order to have to some place where that where they have crowds because professional sports have proved that. Uh, excluding the National League Championship Series and the World Series, they have proved that they don't have the goods to do that. There are more more than half of the NFL teams are in places where they do, they're not allowed to, to, to have people in attendance and they don't do any effort, they don't make any effort to move to the South or to move to even to places which have college college football stadiums. And they have seen, and for them, for most the NFL teams, where on average they have 38% of their revenue be from game day, most of the teams here, uh, most of the teams here are more dependent on on game day revenue. So, if they if they don't, and, and a lot of them are from states that are don't that will not have uh, attendance. If they don't make any effort, the bleeding will be much worse than in professional leagues. This will have a, a much bigger impact than it, it will have on a lot of the professional teams. So that's it. That's it for today's show. Uh, big, NF big, big Thursday night football action. Big games coming up throughout the weekend. I, that I, I wanted to mention that in the beginning of the show. This is th tomorrow's my birthday. For everybody who doesn't know, and it will be the greatest, probably the greatest sports day in my in my entire life. There are. Number one versus number three in college basketball, Gonzaga and Iowa. There is another r r top 25 ranked versus ranked matchup at the time in college basketball. Then we have the college basketball classic, which has UNC versus Kentucky and UCLA versus Ohio State. Uh, then you have in prime time you have Villanova and Virginia. You have NFL two games. You have uh, college football. You have four. Uh, you have four Power Five championship games with uh, with only teams in the top twenty-five involved. This includes a, a matchup of tremendous game between Clemson and Notre Dame. It has Alabama and Florida in prime time. It has Northwestern Ohio State. I and probably the most intriguing out of the four games, which will be Iowa State and Oklahoma. Iowa State, which is sixth, Oklahoma, which is eleventh. What a tremendous weekend! It has all, all, it also has a, a couple of games from here in Bulgaria, which are also very intriguing, which 
you don't know, uh, I'm not gonna go into detail what a tremendous weekend it's gonna be. And we have previewed it a lot, a big part of it, and a big part also the business part of, of what's happening, not just this weekend, but around the season. Thanks for watching. Don't forget, if you listen to us on Spotify, don't forget to, uh, to, to subscribe to subscribe for our show on Spotify or, or Anchor or Google Podcast or Overcast or Breaker or whatever, wherever you get your podcasts from. I've been very, very thankful for, for any subscribe that has happened since I started this podcast in August. And I've been even more thankful uh, watching this grow. Don't, also, don't don't forget to subscribe for uh, Home Run BG on YouTube, which which has the, the video podcast. Uh, the video uh, uh, version of of our show. I'm Theodore Tenoff, and you uh, and you're watching uh, and you're watching and you're listening to Last Man Standing podcast.